Welcome to Ellen the Great Podcast. I'm Ellen Wanjiro, and I am conquering the unknown one episode at a time. Today I'm joined by Teresa Waiguchu, one of the most smartest and knowledgeable women I know. And this is an on-the-record conversation, because we've had plenty off the record, about the abuse of power by men in high-profile positions. The three men in question are Abiola Oke, former CEO and publisher of the indie music website OK Player and OK Africa, Richelieu Dennis, former Essence CEO. Both men are facing sexual harassment allegations in the workplace. And Chris Stiles, former host of Duce Palooza, who was accused of coercive sexual behavior. Uh, June has been the month of reckoning for mm. media publications. Now, you put me up on to the whole OK Player, OK Africa thing a couple of weeks ago. And so since that conversation, and actually before that conversation and then post that conversation, so many other publications have been um, catching heat. The leaders of these publications have been catching heat. Um, and it's not just racism against Black staffers at predominantly white outlets. It's also Black-led media publications. And I think you said it best when we, we talked about it initially, the treatment of Black women in mm -hmm. particular by Black men, which I think is such a, it's a much-needed conversation. Um, and just for some context, OK Africa is a digital media platform dedicated to African culture, music, and politics. And it was founded in 2011. And it's the sister site to the Roots frontman Questlove's OK Player. And I kind of, I want you to tell or start the conversation um, about Abiola OK, the CEO and publisher. Well, the former <laughs> CEO <laughs> and publisher, as he is no longer with OK Player slash OK Africa. So tell, talk to me about the story, your perspective of the story. So um, I actually was interested in it because I saw like a number of friends posting up on Instagram on their stories about someone. And initially it wasn't, it wasn't about Abiola. Like it was just, you know, they were talking about, you know, injustices that they have faced as Black women. Um, one person, she isn't my friend, but she is a friend of a friend. And um, I follow her on Instagram as well. And she just decided to tell her truth one day. And mm -hmm. her truth was that, you know, she worked at OK Africa from the very beginning, you know, from its birth until when she left OK Africa three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And she experienced uh, the mistreatment specifically at the hands of Abiola. And she started out by saying that they were friends. This is how she was brought on. They were friends. They started out as friends. Um, her, her and Abiola. Correct. Okay. And moving forward, you know, he brought her onto the team because of her expertise. And he thought that she could add to what he wanted to be a growing brand. You know, she was the executive assistant. Um, she had her hands basically in everything. But it seemed as though her growth was being stunted in a way. That she wasn't able to continue to move up and grow within the company outside of that role. And from what she explained on her Instagram, it, you know, it led to 
sexual harassment from her friend, someone that she considered mm. a friend, you know, the inappropriate comments that he would say to her, um, you know, the fact that he didn't want her to succeed in a sense, like surpass whatever role he's already fit her in. So, you know, she would ask for raises. She wouldn't get the raises. She wasn't getting the money that she deserved. And, you know, with that, from my understanding, again, you know, different management was brought in because now many people don't know that, okay, Africa, including myself, <clears throat> I didn't know that, sorry, I didn't know that, okay, Africa um, was not black owned anymore. So why mm-hmm. Abiola is the CEO and founder, it's now owned by two white people. You know, with that comes different management, Completely, right? And different yeah. thoughts. And I guess at that point, she had had it with the sexual harassment. And now it wasn't only her, multiple women were starting to come forward now that are huge influencers on Instagram that were saying they too have been you know, experiencing or had experienced sexual harassment at the hands of Abiola. And that was ultimately the reason for their departure from OK Africa. And specifically the woman that I began speaking about, she, I believe, was actually let go. Got it. And it was when she told her truth that other women now came out with theirs. I think think it also went down in the parent company, OK Player, uh, after that one person came out with what was going on or what had taken place in OK Africa, other women came forward about discrimination at OK Player. And that's what led him to resign, a combination of just all those things. So it, 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 hit, it hit both, which mm-hmm. even speaks more to the truth of it, right? Not, that, not, not to say that if, if it only happened at OK Africa, then that <clears throat> doesn't mean right. that, you know what I mean? But the fact that it, it took place in both companies, that's there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, and there's also something to be said about their reaction to these stories, right? Like, so we know he resigned. Yeah. But OK Africa has yet to actually acknowledge what was happening. They gave a, you know, generic watered down Statement. response to all yeah. these stories. Right. But they never actually address anything. Now, do so, you think that's because obviously that, that, toxic masculinity culture still exists oh there right or and or they're scrambling to figure out (laughs) how to put a band-aid on this gunshot wound i mean if we can see these companies in you know the spirit of these racial tensions rising up and coming up with even if it's not like the most heartfelt statement if we could see them throw something together you know okay africa can certainly give a more yeah. heartfelt response, right? Yeah. Because your fan base is Black. It's Black people. It's African people. It's African women that have helped you build this brand. And even reading Abiola's response, it angered me because you just still don't get it. You still miss the mark. You miss the mark. What did He's he like, say? What, what did he say? Um, let me pull up his tweet. He said... Uh... I have listened, digested, and reflected on the feedback uh, given by the women. And he listed the, women name, the women's names, um, the feedback they gave regarding their experiences working under my leadership. And the fact that he goes on to list each woman's name 
Mm-hmm. And you know, and you know, it's all about how you say things, right? How sure. you so he knew in that moment because this man obviously is brilliant, right? You know, you have to have some sort of brilliance to start a company from scratch and you know to make it to what it is and doing all these partnerships and things of this nature. So to what you said reading his tweet, the fact that not only did you say, you know, I heard the feedback just by him saying, I heard the feedback, no accountability was being Mm -hmm. taken at that moment. Because now you've minimized it to feedback, as opposed to this is the experience that one person has had, and this is their truth. And it is the truth. So now I've, you know, I've listened to the feedback. That's not, this is not an employee survey. This is a group of women saying, hey, by the way, I suffered this mistreatment at, you know, at the hands of you, under your leadership. We trusted you. We were friends, you know? And then on top of that, you name mm-hmm. each woman as to shame them. Like, yes, they've already dated who they were on their IG handles and, you know, whatever other forms of, let's say, media that they've put this out. I don't know if they've put it out on a blog, but I know for sure on Instagram. So for you to do that is like, A, what I saw that as is you were trying to shame them. B, you were trying to make them not marketable, right? Because we know, especially in this country, nobody likes a whistleblower. Most companies don't like a whistleblower. And that's what he just did. That was a retaliation. Him putting those names in there, for me, what I took that as, if they want to continue, you know, out with their own ventures or you know, work for somebody else or do anything like that, if you Google them, this will come up right? And then it'll be a flurry of articles, that article from Vulture. So you look like a liability. Who wants to work with a liability? That's what I took that as. I mean, and, and, and he, it, I think he knew what he was doing. Right. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he went on to say, over the past several days, I have reflected on the comments of my former colleagues and <laughs> talked with my Black female colleagues and other organizations about their experiences in corporate media spaces. I am coming to understand and be accountable for my insensitivities and my lack of awareness of the privilege I have as a Black man being supported by Black women. I see how that ignorance created a space that made my Black women colleagues feel invisible and silenced. I own my mistakes and have stepped down as CEO and publisher of OK Media to preserve the vision that so many Black people, specifically Black women, to your point earlier, worked to create in advance for our people. I mean, he, he went in, he said, as a, as a first-time CEO of a minority-led media company with great vision, I made business decisions for the company without the intentional consideration of how decisions would affect different members of my team. And so in the process, unknowingly, unknowingly, really, hurt Black people. I completely missed the mark. I am working to remedy that. In the deepest sense, I value Black women and their brilliance. Do you so that know? was a white person that did a white person write that? You know somebody crafted that. You know his PR oh. crafted that. Are you serious? His PR person has to be white. <laughs> right. And then the next part starts with, I have tried my best to contribute to their professional advancement. What? I see now how I fell short. My God. Right. Right. And, and so what? this is heartbreaking, especially because it's a Black man. And it's a black woman, black women, right? I mean, across the board, it doesn't matter. African women, thank you. Across the board, it's wrong, right? But we feel especially connected to it because we're African, Mm. right? 
So what are your thoughts on how Black men are treating Black women under this environment of, you know, power versus not enough power or abuse of power? I don't know that it's specific to, 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 to Black men, right? It's, it's men across mm-hmm. the board, but what makes it that more um, hurtful that it's Black men against Black women? <laughs> How many hours do we have? Okay. I don't know. Like five? This, this, could, this could be part one. <laughs> um, I mean, in all seriousness, when we discuss Black men and, you know, the abuse of power, and I think for us, and you know, you and I have had this conversation before, I don't think that Black men support Black women, right? Whether it be you're in a position of power or what have you. And I think that showed in Abiola's statement that he put out because he still didn't support these women. Like, I think this would have been a moment for him to truly listen, truly take in what was happening. Because, you know, again, I, ha- I heard no accountability within his statement. Well, what could he have said that would have been received in a way that not made it okay, but at least it was easier to digest, like, okay, this happened, and I have a full understanding that this man understands or takes accountability for his actions or lack thereof. What could he have said in his statement? Short of, I did it, I know <laughs> I, I know I was wrong, I'm, I'm ashamedful. Like, what could he have said? Um, I think he, you know, could have, first of all, not addressed it as feedback. Um, I think he could have also maybe, you know, I don't know if it would have been the time, but to extend an, um, an invitation to those women to really, really sit down and tell him how they felt, right? And just listen. Ooh, that takes a whole other level of awareness and maturity that I don't think human right. beings have. Right. Could you and imagine I think, that? I think, you know what? Because some of them considered him as a friend from the beginning, I think him acknowledging and sitting and saying, let's sit down and discuss. Mm. I think that might've been helpful, right? Like I saw your vision. We saw your vision and that's all we wanted to do to make that vision a reality. And we wanted to be brought along equally for that ride. And he didn't do that because guess what? It doesn't help if you say, oh, I heard the feedback and then you go into another business venture and your mindset is still the same. But that would have been an admission of guilt. Just that that simple action. And guess what? We're human. Humans make mistakes. Too often I find that because we live in such a patriarchal society, you know, some men, not all, but some men don't feel as though they have to have any accountability because society does not hold them accountable. Exactly. And so no one's ever going to come out and admit anything. Why would they? Because I don't have to. Right. Absolutely. Right. Why, Why would I sit there and admit guilt? or fault in something where society is not even going to hold me accountable. So how do we as women change that narrative, right? Because we, we can't control anybody but ourselves and our decisions and our choices and our movements, right? Because we, we can't tell him to stop and expect him to stop. We can't do anything like that that has anything to do with controlling him. So this has been a question that I just, I've asked myself quietly, like how, what would I do in that position? If I'm at a company, you know, I'm focused, I'm career driven, I want to get to the next level and I have a boss, a male boss or male CEO 
that's kind of in the way of that. And the only way I could get around that is by doing some shit I don't want to do. What, what would Ellen do? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think Ellen would say, um, you know what? No, I know exactly what this is. I'm not going back to your hotel room. I'm not interested, right? You obviously don't value what I'm bringing to the table business-wise. So why, why would I do that? But then Ellen in that predicament, I don't know. What if I, yeah, it, it's a tough question. And it's not putting blame on anybody, but it's a, it's a tough question. Do you put what you want, do you put it ahead of what could potentially be a dicey situation? Or you choose you, you choose your safety, you choose your self-respect, you choose everything over you advancing in your career. So what I think is, I think we need to look to the women who are in positions of power, right? To help us spur, continue to spur this movement of having our equal voices heard. You know, specifically women of color, you know, and we're few and far between in high positions of power. So we already know what it's like, right? We have to deal with being put in a box by our white colleagues or counterparts. We have to navigate that space and then now navigate a space where, you know, not all skin folk is kin folk, right? Mm. So I think we should look to women who are in higher positions of power, entrepreneurial women who have truly achieved success despite all the odds that were against them. Um, and I think together we can continue to push this movement, especially for Black women, like push this movement of we need to be heard, our voices need to be heard, because the woman who is a chief operating officer in Starbucks and is a Black woman can be the voice of the woman who may be working at, you know, an Associated Foods supermarket and is experiencing harassment, but she has put food on the table. She may be a single mom or she may be, may be the only breadwinner in her family and still has to put food on the table. So you can be a voice, you can be some change for that same woman. Because right now, you know, I, for me, I worry about the women who are in lesser positions to what you were saying. Right. Do I put myself in a dicey situation or do I just keep my mouth shut because I need to get this check to make sure that I feed right. who I need to feed? keep the lights on, you know, keep a roof over our heads. And that's what men in positions of power bank on, exactly. right? Because they're not doing this to the women above them. Right. They're, they're doing this to the women underneath them in, in, in business. So, yeah, I mean, the, the idea of the abuse of power, uh, it's, it's, for lack of a better word, it's a powerful thing. It's an intoxicating thing. And the way people respond to power is a problem. Mm -hmm. I remember watching um, the Jane Elliott video, um, Blue-Eyed, uh, Brown-Eyed, and she did the whole, ex um, not experiment, but um, I can't think of the other word. But basically, she took um, kids in a class, those that had blue eyes, those that had brown eyes, and she made them switch um, and so the, the, the kids with the blue eye had the power, the kids with the brown eye did not. And then the switch was the next day, the kids with the, the brown eyes had power and the kids with the blue eyes did not. And how quickly the kids with the brown eyes assumed that power, it was almost automatic. And then she did the experiment years later with adults and it was the same thing. How quickly intoxicated people become with power. And when you think, I think about that- that's a that, great example. I think that's a great example that you just used. 
And so if you take somebody who's a CEO and everything that comes with that, oh my God. It is intoxicating. It's scary. It's scary. I mean, this current climate just has me looking at people in general sideways. Right. I trust no one. I trust nothing. Call it paranoia. I'm fine with that. (laughs) But I feel like I'm constantly armed. Like when I walk out the door, I'm armed. I'm like metaphorically armed to the teeth. Right, you have to say like, metaphorically. Okay, not, not, I'm not packing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not packing any gas or anything like that. Again, with this political climate. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you for that. Yes, I'm not packing anything. I'm speaking metaphorically. Um, I'm just armed mentally. I'm armed um, emotionally. I'm just on, on, not on edge, but just on alert. And whether or not that's going to do anything, I don't know. But I'm just, I'm just looking at, at, at men sideways, which is probably mm. sounds crazy, but it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely share your same sentiment, but I feel like you've always been armed, right? We have these discussions <laughs> right. All, right. often, but now, like you said, there's like an even it's more heightened, heightened sense, yeah. sense of awareness. And I think to what you were saying, I look at men sideways, like, you know, I love you, Black men do love black men but all day all day you know me all day but and it's not all black men but it's that sense of like I move through life and again because we know that they also face a lot of injustices but it's that sense of like because they're a man they can move through spaces the way that black women can never and you would expect that in this fight for equality black men would uplift and support us right? And there are Black men that uplift and support us and all about, you know, Black queens and this is what Absolutely. we support our Black women. But then, to your point, there are those that are intoxicated with power and can't see past the fact that they are in a position of power. It's just, it is intoxicating, right? To have that much power. Power is everything. We know a lot of what happens in politics is strictly based off of power and greed and greed right if you look at some of these countries in in poorer regions of the world even if money's not there the fact that you have this power is everything right i think we really just need to in addition to having you know black women in positions of power make you know make spaces and make help make laws or rules that would help the person who is not in that same position who is in like let's say the supermarket or working a retail job or what have you where they're not where they can be yet make a space for them to move up to where you are Mm -hmm. and that same breath I think we also need to look to black men to help us right because I always think about it um I don't know if you ever remember this episode of girlfriends when Joan before she left being an attorney at the firm, she had a bunch of ideas for a specific case, I believe, that they were discussing. And, you know, she's sitting at the tables, a room full of men, black and white. And um, she was one of the few, I think she was the only partner, woman. And um, every time she wanted to say something, they would overtalk her, right? Nobody was listening. Mm. So she had a conversation with the rest of the girls. And she came up with this idea. She's like, you know what I'll do? I'm going to put more bass in my voice. So she gets to the table and they're in the conference room. She's sitting there and she's like, excuse me. 
So they all turn, they look at Joan. <laughs> and they're like, Joan? And she finally says what she has to say. But like the fact that she had to change up her tone because she couldn't be herself. The fact that we have to change ourselves so that men can just like shift like, oh, you were saying something? What were like, you saying? Like, like we're invisible. Right, right. Yeah. I just feel like, and I think, I don't know, like you and I have this also this conversation about it being, you know, it's, it's, it hits different because he's an African man. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we know, ooh, we know what, what it is with African mm. men. I mean, they bathe in power. Mm. those that have it they bathe in it every day oh and it's and it's and it corrupts them and it corrupts them and makes them right okay right they wear it every they wear that power on top of their regular skin every day they leave the house and so when you think about the the old proverb of absolute power corrupts absolutely when, when when someone has power over people or other things it makes him or her corrupt but is that is that the same for everybody? Like everybody in power is not corrupt. So what is it about that subset of people, men, that that get corrupt? What's different from the guy that has power that isn't corrupt? I, I, I don't know. Hmm. You know, does it have to do with how they were raised? Does it have to do with their insecurities? Like it, it it's a variety of things, I imagine also going to say I think um to what Abiola was saying it's something that he said struck me it said he said I recognize my privilege Mm. you know as as a black man I believe right um there is that privilege right and let's be honest how many people with power want to lose privilege not a lot you know because let's be honest we're in a climate now because of privilege and those that have it know what it's like to not don't know what it's like to not have it but see what happens to those that don't Mm -hmm. so who wants to lose that privilege right and I think it's something to be said because you know it's it's almost like and I'll always say this almost like people are scrambling to position themselves on the totem pole above another group so like while black men African men are dealing with the same injustices as us they have positioned themselves above us because society has allowed for that to happen. They would be more accepted in a space than we would, you know, and there are many things that don't affect them the same way that affect us. And I think for them to truly understand, it's the same way where we want to be heard where black lives matter, Mm -hmm. black women matter, like listen to black women. You know, you can't look to us and say, you know, we've birthed civilization and then we're basically second rate in a boardroom. I'm looking, um, I'm looking up this, uh, not quote, I forget who's, I think it was Malcolm X who said. Oh, black women, the most disrespected person yes. in America. Yes, yes. Malcolm X is yes. the black the woman. Disrespect- yes. And the most unprotected, funny. the most neglected, <laughs> right? Yes, disrespected, unprotected, neglected. Damn. So that puts us where at the bottom of the fucking totem pole? Absolutely. And so to our point in this conversation of the treatment of Black women, when you expect Black men to understand our plight as a people, you, that, that's who you would least expect to get this sort of treatment from. And that's what makes it heartbreaking. And it's funny that you say that because um, I saw Lena Wise at uh, 92Y. Mm-hmm. 
and she was talking this is when Queen of Slim was just ready to release and she was doing like her promo tours and 92Y happened to be one of them and it's something that she said that I think we could all relate to you know she said it cuts different when it's somebody that looks like you mm-hmm. right that doesn't want to grow with you basically like it's somebody that looks exactly like you that stabs you in the back and I think for us that's what it is when it comes to black men right we feel essentially we feel unprotected we do feel unprotected and they can never understand what it's like to be a woman and not have as many rights and for Malcolm to come out and say that I think the fact that and the fact that we're still fighting with that and he mm-hmm. said that how many years ago okay he had he literally got up there and made that speech and said you know white men uphold white women up basically on a pedestal right black men get it together we need to support our queens and fast forward to 2020 where mass incarceration is still a thing and the nuclear black household is broken here we are and i and i imagine that's what hurts the most um going back to the women uh, that are dealing with everything that's happening, um, OK Africa and OK Player, the, those that knew him and, and were friends, the betrayal, right? right. The hurt that must feel, because now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in that position of having someone who I think is a friend, who I trust, treat me that way. Like, I, I, I can't even imagine that. And so for I mean, him not to, you know, come forward in a way that he should is just a slap in the face. And the fact that he did it over and over, he knew what the hell he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Right. And he did it repeatedly. So we can't be that surprised that he just put some, you know, generic statement out there, some cookie cutter statement. That's not surprising at all. Because a man like that would never admit it. He would, n- <laughs> he would never come out in public and, and admit guilt. Because like you said, he's going to go to the next wherever and nothing's going to change. I doubt right. that anything changes. Because society has to change. Right. And it's interesting that we, because you and I also had a conversation um, with another man who is of African descent as well. Um, the now, I believe, former CEO of Essence, who uh, was the founder of Shea Moisture, Richelieu Dennis. Right. Um, And we know him to have started Shea Moisture, which is now owned by Unilever. But I believe he is still part of that. I don't know now with the allegations, but it was (laughs) a group called the Black Female Anonymous that actually wrote an op-ed piece and it was titled The Truth About Essence. And basically their first sentence was, we are hashtag Black Female Anonymous. And now we know why, to go back to your earlier point, where Abiola put those women's names in his statement. Mm. This is what we have to do. Come up with a group and stay anonymous, but still tell our stories so that they can be heard without retaliation and intimidation okay right. okay and like you said the, the the maligning of their media careers right because we know as a whole um the media industry has not and won't make spaces for 
Black women. And when they do make a space for us, it is for us to sit in a role or play a part that they've seen fit, Mm -hmm. that they, you know, this is what they think of us, right? The typical, if we are in any of these spaces of corporate America, we're always in either diversity and inclusion or, you know, an executive assistant, or we're never really in huge positions where we're allowed to get some of that power, that we can feel that intoxication of power. You know, (laughs) right? You know, and I just thought that this story was interesting. And it came, you know, right, literally right after OK Africa. I don't know if they saw what was happening with OK Africa, and then this dropped. Mm. But it was almost immediately after. So this makes it, this makes the eighth media publication. Right. And it's, and I think for me, this is really disheartening because we know Essence. We, we know Essence, right? right? Essence is like the premier black magazine, right? We had Jet, we had Ebony, and then there's Essence. And then there was Essence, you're right. Right. And, you know, from Essence spawned the Essence Festival and, a lot of these now virtual conferences that they had for Black women recently. Um, so, and, and, and it's really disheartening because, you know, in this whole political climate where we're now driving to Black-owned, Black, you know, by Black, things that have still stayed Black, mm-hmm. to know that it's still stayed Black, but, <laughs> you know, there's that but. Yeah, however. However, this man has made it hell for his women, the fact that these people said he has a history of sleeping with women on the sundial staff, the parent company of Shea Moisture wow. he sold to Unilever in 2017. And for the women who don't seemingly consent, he openly sexually harasses them at private company events. Wow. All I could think about, right, is, is the man who would counter that and say, going back to my original mm-hmm. point, why didn't the women either say something, why didn't they walk away? Why didn't they shut it down? Why did they go along with it? Like, when's that conversation going to happen? I mean, but... Because I've, mean, ha- I've had conversations, and, and, and that's what a couple, a couple of my male friends, that's their rebuttal. And I'm looking at them like they, they, they have two pig snouts. Like, what, what the fuck does that matter? <laughs> But can it be said that the same sort of power that these men have is is the same sort of power women might be chasing? And I I might get some heat for even saying this out loud, but I think it's a worthy conversation. If I'm so keen on getting the power that I, that I, that I want to get, that I've been wanting to get and working towards that I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go through the fire, whatever the fire is to, to, to get there. What's to be said of that is the million dollar question. But see, I think that in itself was the fact that those were the questions being asked just shows that sort of privilege, right? Why didn't you say something? Um, Fear of retaliation, you know, fear of words being spun and making me look like I'm crazy. But is that worse than this habitual sexual harassment and, and, and uh, discrimination and sexism. Is that, does that trump that? 
would you rather put yourself in that than actually say something and deal with the repercussions of saying something? I feel like, so for us, our positions are different, right? We're unmarried. We have great jobs. We have no kids. So God forbid a situation like that were happening. We may be in a position to be like, you know what? Forget this. I don't need this and walk away, right? Which is what many of those women did who were being abused by Abiola, right? Mm -hmm. When I say abuse, sexual harassment or sexual abuse, I'm not, you know, from what I've seen, it's been sexual harassment, but that there probably are many more stories. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for us, we're in a different position. And I will always go back to the woman who is not in that position that has children. Can she do that? Can she literally pull herself up and say, you know what? It's not mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. She can't afford to. Right. For us, you know, we've been raised, make sure you have this safety net, especially with your sister. Okay. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa is not having a... She, she's the money. She's the money guru. Yeah. Yes. That's our money guru of family. You know, so always have that safety net. But what about those people that just you're living check to check and you can't do that? Yeah. Even if you don't have a family, what if you're just purely living check to check, right? That group, that vulnerable group that they prey on. That's a good word for it. Prey. <clears throat> like predator prey, right? Absolutely. Because they essentially that's what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know your target. With anybody that does anything, they're not just going to come over to any old woman and just be like, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. No. They'll prey on, let's say, um, any insecurities you may have or you know, they know that you need the money. So, hey, you know, I'll give you a better position if you do X. I think also it's just the fact that it continues to happen, not only here, but just, you know, we, you know, as being from Kenya, we've seen it happen where we're still fighting for women's rights, even in African countries, right? These men get this power that they've had and they don't want to relinquish any power. Like, was it just recently? Women, you know, have protection from domestic violence and that was across the board it doesn't matter the class that you're in and it's terrible and I think for me I think that's what bothers me because we know Regilu Dennis I believe is uh from Sierra Leone or Liberia that's the name okay right and the and the, the second paragraph of the of the um the black female anonymous uh letter it, it it's it hit it says the essence brand promise is f- fraudulent everything Mm -hmm. we've known and believed and loved about essence is fraudulent damn this is a magazine this is a media brand it's dedicated to black women and it's fraudulent fraudulent that's like i just want to address that you're like it's fraudulent like whatever idea you had in Mm. your mind about essence throw that out yeah shit ain't sweet out here i feel like we've been living in darkness and for whatever reason this brand of light bulb that just came on is just illuminating a lot of different shit. Like we've known, but now it's like there's no hiding it. There's no hiding away from it. There's no forgetting it. There's no ignoring it. And I'm, I'm glad that some action is being taken as in these people are either resigning or stepping down or back. But that's just the start of it. Because it it would be very easy to just kind of go back into um, the way things were once these people are out. Just bring in a new um, regime who doesn't think that much differently than the old one. I also want to highlight 
you know, in the same, in the same op-ed piece, which is, again, goes back to what we were saying about what can Black women do, right? So I guess I'll just read this chunk of it. Mm-hmm. In the latter half of 2009, Reggie tried to force Essence employees and contractors to sign non-disclosure agreements, a whole NDA mm-hmm. that exclusively protects his family from liability or disparagement after a string of wrongful layoffs and other potentially libelous business activity. When staff raised questions about the NDA, the executive leadership team launched a series of intimidation tactics on its staff. Rejolu's wife, Martha Dennis, is the company's head of human resources, a blatant conflict of interest. Shut up. Martha is complicit in her husband's abuse of power. For Essence employees under Dennis's family leadership, there is no possible way to share your grievances or frustrations when the family matriarch is the head mm. of HR. Mm. Yeah, that, that right. <sighs> There's nowhere to go with that. That that was designed beautifully on their part to make her HR, because that's where you go to complain about it. So who would want to go complain to his wife? Or, <laughs> or if you think that you can, little do you know that she's down with this cause because it's feeding their fucking bottom line. <laughs> and she's a black woman. And she's a black woman. Damn. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things, like, like to what you were saying, who polices HR when HR is in exactly. the wrong? So there's a Latin saying, um, and I only bring this up because it was written on a building for obvious reasons, you know, with the political climate. But I thought it also resonated for this conversation as well. So I may be mispronouncing it, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's quis uh, custio de ipsos magistras cum vigilum eras. So basically it says, who watches the police when the police are wrong? Mm, so exactly. I thought it fitting to what we were just saying, because who watches HR? Definitely. When HR is wrong. Definitely. Like, who's, who, like, to what you were saying, who do you go to? Because HR is it, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be the liaison between you and leadership if something is happening. Yeah. It's supposed to have your back. But we see oftentimes that HR is just a smokescreen. Yeah. HR is, to what they were saying, meant to protect the company not them us. not not the employees right because right. essentially that's the point of human resources right well what we've seen for most companies when you go to hr it's really to protect the brand or reputation of mm-hmm. whatever company you're working for but it's not meant to protect you it's meant to protect them from you truth it's one of those things where you would rather write it in because you know what your husband is like but you've worked together to help him build this empire, trying to continue building the empire. So you'd rather be complicit with what he's doing and yeah. just write in NDAs here and there to make sure you protect the family wealth. And I'm all for generational wealth for the black family, but at what cost? Right. Like when you leave your, le- when you have a legacy, when you leave this earth, is this what you want your legacy to be known as? There's too many questions and not enough answers. Another part of and this, damn, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was going to say to what um, you might also have been saying, 
they're literally calling out different execs from the leadership team and they all seem to be black women right because it wasn't just him that um had to leave michelle ebanks joy collins prophet mm-hmm. Lu- yeah like those those the people they called out right and it's funny going back to what we were saying i can't remember her name but they were calling her out as well for okay africa they were saying she knew of course so what do you do when your skin folk is no longer your kin folk right the person i thought i could trust is only interested in protecting themselves because we shouldn't have this essence was a magazine is a magazine that we've looked up to for decades and for this to be for this to be just how you know they're being showcased and spotlighted and highlighted and it was all a sham basically is what this article is saying it was all a sham it says here essence is the most deceptive black media company in america why essence aggressively monetizes hashtag black girl magic but the company Mm. does not internally practice hashtag black girl magic okay the company's long-standing pattern of gross mistreatment and abuse of its black female employees is the biggest open secret in the media business Mm. systematically suppressing um suppressed by uh, pay inequity sexual harassment corporate bullying, intimidation, colorism, and classism. Really, Essence? Mm-hmm. So pretty much, you know, dedicating it to, to Black women was just a front. Absolutely. It was just a front, like many other things. Get into it. Meanwhile, we're spending money, we're subscribing to get these goddamn magazines every month. Oh, you know, we're, we're thinking we're, we're, we're supporting something Black-owned, something that means um, something good as it relates to black, all things black. Meanwhile, back at the shop, <laughs> it's a whole shit show. People are suffering. That's crazy to me. That, that's what makes me not trust shit. <laughs> okay? I, I stay with my Inspector Gadget coat and goggles on. And listen, listen my magnifying glass is always on. Girl! <laughs> <laughs> Like to what Prince said, my magnifying glass is always on. Like it has to be. But it's sad, right? Yeah. This is always a downfall for us. Cosby, like black men, come on. And black women, we need to get it together, protect each other. This is not okay. I should not be scrolling through names of women in high positions of power that don't involve diversity and inclusion. And y'all sat there and watched these women get abused just so you can continue to get that direct deposit in your account. But how do you sleep with yourself at night? Probably pretty well, right? Because it's been going on for decades. So what, if you can't beat them, you might as well join them? That's what it looks like. Because I'm sure at some point in time, each of these women have experienced something similar to this, right? At some point in their careers. Maybe not, obviously. Yeah, women get corrupted with power too. Right. So, yeah, they get a little bit of it. And now, you know, they, they sit right up there with, with, with the dude, with the man. And it's the, same, it's the same type of power. Now, do you think it's one of those things like, you know, when you've been abused for so long and you finally get out of an abusive, let's say, abusive relationship and you vow to never look back? Do you think mm-hmm. that that might be the situation here? I think it plays a part when you think about, you know, the, the anger that, that exists within that. Um, 
where you feel so wronged. And so the only thing you can do is wrong because you feel like that's how you get your payback and you don't even recognize that you're wronging somebody or something. All that mad. Now you're intoxicated with this need to, to fill whatever void that you might feel from years of abuse. Who knows? This is just my armchair analysis, but that's not far-fetched to me because what, what, what keeps you there? What drives you to continue down that, that, that path? There's some sort of corruptness within, <laughs> within you. There has to be. If you're taking advantage of another human being in any way right. that brings them harm. Right. I just, I keep going back to this um, op-ed piece because I just think there's a lot of it. It's a lot. And I think that these words need to be heard, right? Speak on it. So I'm reading the section where they discuss Michelle Banks, right? The abusive work culture activated, activated by Michelle passes on like a viral Mm. disease to every C-suite leader who manages a a staff at the company. So before I go on, I just want to call to attention that particular statement. So we see with this current political climate that a lot of these companies in corporate America, white America, do not allow for us to be C-suite leaders Mm -hmm. if it's not diversity and inclusion, right? That that's not our title, diversity inclusion officer. Right. So for you to be a C-suite leader. On your own merit. Seriously, on your own merit, because she was the board member and former CEO of Essence Communications. Because remember, we said that Essence branched out different brands. Right. So for you to literally, like, and then they go on to say all employees in the Essence workforce are plagued. Not even the quarantine offered a reprieve. Not even the quarantine. This is recently written. Right. So they were talking about Joy Perfett, right? Uh, launched the search for a senior vice president of revenue in 2018. Michelle Ebank stopped several highly experienced Black female sales leaders from advancing mm-hmm. in interviews. And in 2019, she ultimately greenlit the hire of Black woman, Kristen Elliott, formerly of Condé Nast. And now for those who don't know Condé Nast, it is the brand publication that you know, puts out one of the most famous magazines, Vogue. So Kristen unsurprisingly hired a white female sales leader under her leadership, despite the volume of experienced Black female sales leaders who experienced interest in the role or internal staff who could have used the promotion. At a market appointment in 2019, one brave executive on the client side openly shared their frustration with Essence's white sales leadership when during a pitch, Kristen and her hire fared to articulate Black women's culture and influence. This brave executive from the client's side was also a white woman. Wow. So a white woman called out another white woman on trying to talk about Black women's culture. That sounds nuts. At a Black company. Okay. That sounds benoodles. Like, what? What? Yeah. This is a damning op-ed. And it's just like... I don't understand. And it was an executive on the client side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody outside of the bullshit. They said, y'all missed the mark. This is not it. 
okay, so so women are also contributing to right. this, right? So it's not a black man thing. It's not a black woman thing. It's just a power and human power. thing. The power and greed thing. Power and greed thing, bottom line. And that's what this country is built on. Taking from those that don't have or forcing those that you deem less than to do for. It's, it's I, yeah, I, yeah. And I think that's the very definition of capitalism, right? Yeah. Right. At this point, it's a doggy dog world, right? Pretty much. And I, I just, I find it troubling when Black women don't want to help other Black women advance. And I'm not saying you need to give me a handout. I'm saying, you know, because you know how difficult it has mm-hmm. been for you, why not pay it forward to, and, and that's not to say you don't, you're not qualified. I'm not saying just hand it out to anybody because we're Black. I'm saying if you see a qualified person who is not being given a fair advantage to you know, go interview for this particular position or be even considered, why not help that person out? Because you know what you went through previously, because at one point or another, you were in that person's same position. I think that's rooted in selfishness. I think that's rooted in people wanting to feel unique, feeling special and not having to compete or maybe Mm. not feeling like threatened by somebody else's success so they just want to shine on their own with nobody else in the way like there's so many different things I could think, I think of. the competition is is what stood out for me when you said that that's the biggest one and but why as, should I compete yeah. with you when we're supposed to eat together you don't compete with people you need to eat with because you can't have a full table of not everybody's present I think all that insecurity is rooted in all of that Right. Right. You know, you, 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 you're not a hundred, you're not a thousand percent about yourself. So, you know, I'll be damned if, um, I let this, you know, woman fight, bring on this woman with high qualifications and and she's impressive and she's not going to outshine me. So do you think that, and I'm not making an excuse because, you know, as human beings, we have free will. Do you think that for far too long, Black women have been pitted against each other, which is why we are led to this point here, where you have Black women putting other, or trying to keep other Black women down, or contributing to the abuse that Black women face within a particular company? I think, yes. I'm I'm having trouble with the words, have been pitted against each other. That implies that there's this third party that's involved in the in the in that pitting um but i do think there are powers that kind of control that but i think ultimately we do that on our own right with nobody's help right there are women out there that are anti other women and they're just for themselves i think those are the women that cause um that sort of commotion within the black female community jealousy commitment i mean um competition insecurities all that shit why can't we to your point (laughs) why can't we just see us for who we are and act accordingly but that takes example right like we 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 need to see what that looks like it's certainly not happening on on a ratchet shit we're watching on tv that we fucking Mm. can't get enough of Mm. mona scott is making millions off of that shit hello that's actually why I had to stop watching it. Um, 
loving hip hop because I used to, you know, I love a little ratchet TV, but every now and then, yeah, but damn, at what cost? Right. At what cost? Because I realized how we look to the rest of the world. Like we, what yeah, exactly we see as like, oh, we can we can say, you know, I know that's not how that person is normally, like when they get into the boardroom or whatever, you know their game hat is on their hat is on they're totally different but this is what we are showing to america and you know at what cost do we continue this like with mona scott like she's making a killing and but you can't just blame her solely right because the women the women in these shows are just as responsible for their own actions or Mm -hmm. lack thereof so it's a twofold thing i mean you have the decision of whether to stay right we saw cardi come in did what she had to do for that little bit of exposure and left but to what you were saying at what cost i mean because you know it's been it's been also expressed with regards to mona that there is a level of her taking advantage of those those people who star in the show mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. right especially the women who you know don't have come from nothing basically and this right. is this is the come up. This is their one big shot. So could you imagine that chick that's like, all right, I'm I'm willing to do whatever to stand out. Because you're hungry. Because you're hungry. So I don't I don't care who I shit on. I don't care who I curse at or who I hit or how I come across. I can't mm-hmm. express self-awareness enough. I feel like that's where it starts from. You knowing who you are. And being able to look at you and be okay and be happy with what you see, with your reflection, your actions, what you put out, what you get back, how you recycle it and put it back out, all that shit matters. Your experiences matter, where you come from, who raised you, who were your people, who were their people, what did they teach them so they, they could teach you? Right. It's, it's all rooted in... And knowing who, and, but then somebody can argue and say, you know, the, the person who is power hungry and evil knows that and they're okay with it. So is that cool? I so, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, and I think to, to go back to what you were saying about self-awareness, I think it also goes back to what you had said earlier, right? It takes a mature type of individual to truly tackle self-awareness. Because mm, that shit ain't easy. You know, like what we had said, we have a lot of time on our hands. And it seems like with the way, you know, everybody's handling this pandemic, we're going to have a lot more time on our hands. And that's a lot of time to do some introspective work Mm -hmm. and tackle self-awareness. But again, it has to be that type of mature adult to sit down and say, you know what, hey, I've been going about certain things the wrong way. You know, it's time to change it up. It has to be that admission of guilt because we have a culture where we just pass the buck. Oh, you know, so-and-so, I unknowingly, to what Abiola said, unknowingly, but you knew. You knew. We passed the buck a lot. And I think that once, once we acknowledge, admit our faults, I think, and that's for everybody, right? That's for any individual as human beings. Like that's for myself. That's for anybody. Yep. You know, once once we tackle those things, we'll be that much better, right? Agreed. We'll be a better, a better contributor to society. And once we're now mindful of how we interact with others, right? Allowing others to be comfortable in the space that we're in. And that takes a lot of work. 
I like that. I like what you said, being mindful. I think for the most part, these um, the type of men like Abiola don't even think about that, don't even care right. about anybody other than themselves. And right. I don't know what and kind that- of, you know, un- unpacking he would, self-unpacking he would have to do to get to a point where he just looks at his, his life and is like, damn, I'm, I've, done some, I've done some shit. And so let right. me try to figure this out to correct it. I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't, I don't know that I have that much faith in humanity. Yeah. And I think for me, I think it's also because like you and I, he straddles between two worlds, right? You have your world here and from the country that he comes from in Nigeria, where, you know, like every other African country, women's rights is not a thing. It's starting to increasingly become, you know, something that is receiving light. But we know for the most part how it is. Right. And that's how so he grew you up. Go- that's what he was raised in. Right. It starts with, you know, where you come from, who, who raised mm-hmm. you, what was around you. That's all he knows. This patriarchal society that kind of sh- mm-hmm. shuts down on women. Women aren't equal. Women shouldn't be treated as, like, what? So that's what we're dealing with. And I don't know how often Regilude Dennis goes back or if he's connected to his country, but, mm-hmm. you know, that may very well be the case as well. Right. I, but I'm with you. I don't see that there's any hope. And that's what's so damn this Abiola. Ha- yeah. Right. Definitely. I don't see that shit happening unless, like, Jesus, like, literally comes down. <laughs> Not and, Jesus. And taps him Not on a- his head. <laughs> And even then, he might think it's raining. Like, okay. <laughs> right? He might not even get what's happening. I mean, I just, I truly hope for those women who found the courage to speak their truth. Like, I, I hope that that took some sort of weight off of their shoulders. You know, like, you're walking around this world trying to just, just keep sane, right? And you have this weight on your shoulders. And it's crazy because I think for me, one one last topic that I wanted to highlight that is related to um, the two stories that we spoke about was the Duce Palooza, formerly the Henny Palooza. <sighs> Take a deep breath on that one. Yeah, it's because, you know, like these, we saw the same thing happen with this particular group. So it was formerly Henny Palooza, now Duce Palooza. I have never attended the Henny Palooza, but I know that they used to travel as a group of guys that, you know, would basically throw like a, what's like a house party, mm-hmm. you know, and they had done so well for themselves. Um, you know, so basically it's like a kickback with everybody. And they happen to get the ear of Jay-Z. And, you know, Jay-Z is the owner and founder of the Ducey uh, Cognac, because Hennessy is also a cognac. But um, they called themselves Henny Palooza because the main drink of choice was Hennessy at these parties. But they had nothing to do with the actual Hennessy brand. Mm. Um, so that was another thing that actually prompted them to change their name. And, you know, what better time when Jay-Z comes along and he wants in? <laughs> so you do a Duce Palooza. And it came at the height of the pandemic, actually, when we were just being um, quarantined. 
is when women came out to speak about their truth against mm. Chris Stiles. Now, Chris Stiles is one of the founding members of Duce Palooza. And basically, his reign of terror came to an end on April 28th when he was fired. And the company released a statement saying he is no longer doing anything. And this anonymous Twitter account, <laughs> much like the other stories we spoke about, came up and started detailing some dirt. So basically on the 27th of April, there was a photographer, Shay Mills, who tweeted that Chris Stiles had made unwanted advances on her one night. And she said that he was trying to kiss her, trying to pull her clothes off and trying to get her to give him head while driving. Mm-mm. Okay. That's dangerous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> God forgive me. Okay, keep going. <laughs> and later she wrote that Styles basically took her to his home without telling her. And once there, he tried to take her clothes off and have sex with her, but she told him no. So basically she said, here's my story and I don't give a fuck what y'all think about it. So I think that's to say what you were saying, you know, when people get fed up, this is it. The night in question, he picked me up in my homegirl to go to a bar slash club in the LES. My girl is drunk, but does not want to leave me and ruin the night. I insist on calling her an Uber home. She asked me if I'm comfortable being left with just him. I say, he's taking me home before and it should be fine. We put her in a car and then it's just us. And he leaves me alone in the bar for like an hour by myself. He reappears offering me some douce. Everyone knows I really don't drink. I drink it, but declined the second round offer. He then asked if I'm ready to go home. When we get in the car and he's immediately on 12, kissing me, trying to pull my clothes off, trying to get me to give him head while he's driving. Yikes. Come on, just kiss it. At that moment, I'm still new to the city, so I can't even exactly tell where he's driving until it's dawned on me that we pulled up to his place. And I'm shocked, but you know, I'm blaming myself for possibly projecting mixed signals. We go inside and he kicks it up another notch, trying to take my jumpsuit off. He's pulling at the knots of my top. And I said, my nigga, it took two people to get me into this outfit. I am not taking this shit off for you. (laughs) I know that's right. That's pretty funny. He gets upset and says, so we not fucking tonight? I firmly said, absolutely not. So he says, I bet and heads back outside. I follow him thinking I'm finally being taken home, but he walks past his car heading to the cross street. I follow trying to see where he's going. He stops walking and I ask him where he's going. He stops walking and says, this is Myrtle Avenue. I ask where we were going again. And he just repeats, this is Myrtle Avenue. I finally caught the hint. This man left me on a random street corner in the middle of Brooklyn at 3 a.m. And the nearest train station was a mile away. I was new, new to New York City. I'm sure, and then her last sentence is, I am, and I am sure my story pales in comparison to others. Wow. Right. Men in positions of power, a little power, a lot of power are entitled. Right. And so are women, apparently. Um, But in this particular case, that's what that sounds like. He's like, I'm who I am. So why wouldn't you want to sleep with me? Like, what? She puts this out, right? Okay. And, of course, you know, it can't just be left there. So there was a Twitter account called Hey Guys, where they actually blew up this. And so with this, I'm not sure if you know about Rory. Rory is 
white guy with red hair. He does a podcast with Joe Budden. Yes. Okay. So he is part of um, the Duce. He has some sort of hand in the Duce Palooza. Okay. He's not one of the founders, but I believe he's the one that bridged that um, deal between them and Jay-Z. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that to my understanding, that's what it is. Okay. So he has a small part in this. According to this uh, Twitter account, he knew a month prior, someone came and told him that Chris Stiles was doing the most, you know, and was going to be the reason why if there was a demise, this would be it. Um, There are numerous claims that uh, this particular Twitter account said, Chris Stiles, you were that way at Old Westbury. You're a predator. Being in a frat didn't help your sorry ass, so you became an aggressor. You say Palooza was your hook. Ride this shit out. So he is a Kappa. I don't know if he still is a Kappa. Um, I don't know if there was any action taken by his chapter. I'm not sure about that. But um, outside of this Twitter account, I've also heard from people that did you know go to school with him and are in sororities who detailed basically the same the same story as that young woman wow Shane like um, confirming that this is the type of dude he is confirming so going back to rory this one person um and his name is blocked out for obvious reasons not by me but just in general on this twitter so well, the person tells Rory, yo, Rory, your boy out here moving crazy with women. Mad of them have the same story about him. And if they come together to expose this dude, he's going to fuck your whole business up. Rory puts a question mark. No, I want to give you dates. This is March 2nd of this year that this okay. person hit Rory up. So Rory puts a question mark. I'm only putting you on because I don't want your shit to be fucked up. Dude, you be with, you, dude, you be doing Palooza with the host. I've come across a couple of women that have had similar experiences with him being coercive and manipulative. Now, I don't think any will expose him, but I'm bringing you up to speed. So now Rory goes, appreciate the info, dot, dot, dot. And what way was he being coercive and manipulative? Come on, bro. So Rory, so then this person writes a whole long message. He got a spot in Flatbush, question mark, from their stories. They said that he got a studio over there. Now, let's remember what Shay Mills said about the place that he took her. They said when they went over there, they felt like he was very rapey. Not rapey. Rapey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because they felt pressured into having sex with him. He don't like being told no. He don't take women on dates, which isn't a crime, but I'm calling it out along with the fact that he lives in Flatbush since you may know about him and you can scale the authenticity of their experiences. If you won't lay in his bed or if he tries to fuck you and you're not with it, he gets tight. Apparently he pulled his penis out on some of them on the first meetup. What type of pervy shit is that? Right, right. Who does that? somebody who is a pervert a predator and this goes back to the predator and prey we were talking about and some of them said that he's done that at his crib and some said in his car i don't want to give these women away because the manipulative stories could give him some type of clue to who they are and he has threatened to go to cops if they ever exposed him so he's threatened these women with going to the cops (laughs) if one person said something to me then yeah but it's too many similarities with every person that has brought him up the two standouts from everyone 
was manipulative and pressures you into into sex. I know he might be completely a completely different person as a business partner or friend, but it just seems like he's not a good dude and has zero respect for women. Rory then says, okay, thank you for the heads up. The person then says, got you. I tried to send one of the women's voice notes about him, but it failed to send. But if I hear anything, I'll let you know. If you need me to connect you with any of them regards to, with regards to the manipulation aspect, if they up to speaking up on it with you, I can connect you. But good luck with everything, Rory. Then Rory asked the person to email it. So one woman that I have come in contact with spoke about the same instance also. Mm. This is me talking about this. Um, one woman said that she basically told people that Chris Stiles was like this. And some of the people were in his chapter. Like she told some of the, and she said some of the people in his chapter are also just like him of course but she said she was ignored because of who chris was now hanging out with right you don't want to he was hanging back out with jay-z right right he was now hanging out with jay-z and other celebrities so nobody was listening to her uh she also said that you know people spoke about it in college as well because i told you you know from what we know he went to old westbury and people spoke about it even when he was in college and nobody listened. And it's so funny. Another woman said that he tried to get her to come to his, also his Flatbush location. She said that basically the same situation with Che Mills, he was basically trying to get her to, you know, have sex with him. And she said no. He wanted her to meet up with him. And it, I don't know if the connection ever happened but he was annoyed. So I'm going to assume it didn't and went off on her, belittling her, cursing her out, you know, like a child who doesn't get what they want. Right. And these, and honestly, it's multiple women I've heard this from outside of Twitter. And there are multiple, it's multiple black women. Right. So yeah, this, um, they immediately severed ties with Chris Stiles amid the allegations. I'm not sure if any further action was taken, but they did sever their relationship with him. So he's no longer a part of that. I don't know if his chapter got wind of what was happening, but... Did he ever come this, out and, and speak about it, or he's been quite as a church mouse? I don't believe he ever actually spoke on it. Of course. What would he say? What, I mean, what do you say about that? If somebody is saying exactly. that you pulled your dick out... Like you pulled your dick out. Especially if you know that you did. You're not coming out to say shit. And I mean right. and if you do, it's she's lying. Right. You know what the, and you know what the funniest thing about this is? It all comes full circle. Okay player did a piece on it. <laughs> the irony. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, they absolutely did. <laughs> That's rich. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And they even put they even share some stories that people had with regards to these allegations. Mm. This one here. Um, one person said, I'm sure of all of our stories are extremely similar, but everything these girls are saying is true because the same thing has happened to me. He's very pushy and doesn't know how to take no for an answer. He even makes you feel bad for even thinking about saying no to him. He would often come to my city and ask for my location and I would lie and say, oh, I'm on my period. I don't want to see you because if I just said no, he would start manipulating me. Sometimes saying that didn't work and he would say, oh, no, you're not and make me feel bad. End up blocking me on all my social media accounts. 
this is a new Twitter since I was suspended after realizing I wouldn't have sex with him. Wow. He would also try to throw things in my face, like how he knows Hove and that I'm dumb if I don't let him in like that. He also told me once, I see why your friend stopped talking to you. We had a mutual friend and after I told him I wasn't going to come to his hotel, which obviously made me upset because he didn't even, it didn't even make sense. Chris is a very scary person and makes you feel like absolute shit for not doing anything sexual with him. And I'm glad all of this is finally coming out. I don't want my name out there or anything, but I just need to get it off my chest. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I keep remembering things and coming back, but he really made me upset with myself for a very long time because he made me feel so bad for everything. You can share this anonymously if you like. Years ago, Chris tried to record me without my knowledge. Wow. It was my second time linking up with him. And of course, he called me all types of crazy when I asked him when he wouldn't move his hand from behind my back. So I knew it was sus. So I left and never met up with him again. So he was a master manipulator. Right. Absolutely. So obviously, you know, obviously you don't have to be a CEO of a company to do this type of shit. It happens in different levels, multiple levels. Um, right. You don't even have to have power to, 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 to do this. Right. Like essentially he did have power, right? Yeah. Because he yeah. moved from having Definitely. this house party, Henny Palooza. This was just like, you know, a word of mouth type situation, putting it out there and you were getting a lot of money from this. And then now, you know, you were presented with an even bigger opportunity to do, do say Palooza. So a lot of attention comes with that. Yeah. Right. I mean, apparently he was like this from college. I, I, I don't know what one goes through to have this level. It almost seems like a level of hate. Hate for women. Yeah. Women. Right. Like yep. it seems like a level of hate. And I, and I think my heart, my heart goes out to all of these women. Right. In every instance that we've touched on with these three men, my heart goes out to them because you know, this has kind of changed the way that they will move in certain spaces and, and opportunities moving forward, you know, something like that changes your mindset. Because, you know, if that happened to you, and let's say it's a trusted friend, who's to say that now I don't think all men are like that, because if I don't even know you, right, I knew this man, right, for the women that knew these men, I know you and you've done this to me. So what can I think about men that I don't even know? Exactly. It changes you, know? you, like you said, for the rest of your life. Your shit is forever shifted. All because of this one person and what they did to you. Right. And I need, and I think for me, I need men to understand that, right? Like, that's not mm. to be weaponized and thrown in our faces, right? We talk about like we need black men to support us it's like I, I don't know what I don't know who hurt you I don't know who's done what to you but you know I'm not I'm not like that like I need men to understand that this is not something that can be weaponized to use against us because they refuse to acknowledge that there's this level of privilege or you know or lack of accountability that society holds you to and to take into consideration that what you're doing just perpetuates the problem it perpetuates Absolutely. that action it's the cyclical thing because now you do that to somebody and then they're, they're fucked up. Right. And what if you, you do that to the wrong person and then somehow they internalize that and they want to hurt somebody because they were hurt. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's so many ramifications just through one act. I think to your point, and this is a great way to wrap this up. I wish men would think about how and what they're doing, how that's going to affect this other human being and not just focus on their immediate gratification 
But how, how is this going to affect this woman's life for the rest of her life? What if she has kids, you know? Right. She's somebody's daughter, right? That's somebody's daughter. Like, just be mindful, right? Like, protect us. That's like, that's what I want to leave with. Just protect us. Like, supporting us means, like, Mm -hmm. not only supporting us, protecting us physically, emotionally. Protect all of us, right? Not just the parts that are easiest for you to protect. And you can't protect me from the outside world if you're also the problem. And again, that's not to say all men, because I don't want to take away from the men that have done the work and continue to try to educate other men. Hats off to those men. Mm -hmm. Because again, I don't want to say all men, because that would be a generalization. And and honestly, it would be downright ridiculous for me to then put them all into one group. But for those that are quote-unquote unknowing or (laughs) unaware (laughs) i like how you did that (laughs) Mm -hmm. the time is now protect us we only have each other right nobody else is gonna sit here and run to our aid the same way black women sit there and protect black men just stand up for us like create that safe space create right and that is truly the perfect way to end this protect us right protect her yeah that's dt that's heartbreaking and deep. It is, right? It's much heavier than I thought it would be. Much. Like, we are just as just the tip of the freaking iceberg it's trying to even think about it. Right. Like, if we really sat down and, and, and went down a rabbit hole with this shit, that's a whole different, um, <laughs> that's a whole different outcome. I mean, I, hope, I do hope that, again, these women find the peace yeah. that they deserve, right? They are vindicated. They are heard I feel I hope they feel that they're validated that you know yeah their their concerns are real I think that's my hope for a lot of these women that feel powerless right that they have to hide behind an anonymous hashtag right like I mean you know let's hope that we don't have another me too movement where we start it but another group comes and you know yeah takes over we can only hope for that. I don't know how secure I feel about that because right. you better believe shit, shit is still bubbling that we don't know about. Mm. And it will continue to come out. Listen, as long as these women continue to be brave and stand in their truth and speak out, that's helpful because that makes other women who are in those similar situations feel like they can too. The more we expose it, the more we talk about it, let's just dump it in the middle of the room and let's figure this shit out. However, we need to and have those uncomfortable conversations because how dare you know men who abuse their power and 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 do the you know what they do to women how how dare they get to you know live their lives like nothing ever happened and i got to be quiet why do i why do i have to carry the shame you did this to me i didn't do this to me right so i applaud them i applaud those women because i know that wasn't easy but they did it and you know if anything that we want to be heard is that I want to highlight your point earlier. It's not just men in positions of power. You know, it could be happening right at in home, right? Mm-hmm. Right at the house. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that's what I would just support us, hear us, listen to us. And take care of us the way we take care of you. Mm. And not all women are taking care of men like that, right? We're not all like right. perfect either. We got our shit with us. Oh, absolutely. Let's be clear absolutely. on that. So you like know, for the, the women that are, you know, doing their part, I'm talking about, I'm talking about them. Protect mm-hmm. us like, you know, like, like they protect you. And for the women that aren't doing their part, the same thing goes for them. Right. You know, protect our men. 
uplift them. Yes. Right. Right. Don't talk down to them. Don't emasculate them. Emasculate is huge. That is what just starts it all. That's a whole other podcast episode right there. Girl. In all honesty, emasculation. I had a conversation with somebody about this. Um, Did you? A couple of weeks ago. Not on the podcast, just just random conversation about emasculation, especially with, you know, uh, um, A-type personality women. Mm. Um, you know, boss, people independent, like just not depending on anyone other than themselves to survive, feel like they can... Um, emasculate men or it's their default button to emasculate a man but again that's a whole other conversation i i, I really gotta wrap this up because i gotta go somewhere for <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have to definitely go this was good though this was good this was this, this was really good i've been waiting for my time i know i was to coming. be featured on your on your <laughs> podcast listen I'm just trying to be, secure my spot on your E! True Hollywood story. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm just trying to secure my spot there. But I received that. <laughs> I received that. And I will secure your spot in my E! True Hollywood story. <laughs> I'm just trying to secure my spot over there when they pan to me. And I'm like, yeah, you know. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been almost cathartic. Yeah, it truly has been. I love these type of, you know, introspective conversations that you walk away feeling like, wow, okay. Either having learned some, something new or feel something different about something or just enlightened. So, and I appreciate right. you for that. Because anytime I have a conversation yeah. with you, I, you know, I walk away better, smarter, stronger, just all things good oh thank you i received that mm-hmm. but i i i am i will say that i'm not only do i walk away with a lot but i am very proud of you right because it's like how often do people talk about things and really put them into motion and do it mm. and i think that's amazing right you're creating a space for us to have these conversations where everybody can listen because it's one yes. thing to have them in a group text or a group dm but for you to create that space, make that time to say these are important issues and topics that I think people, you know, should hear about and need to be highlighted. And I think that's an amazing thing. And I'm so proud of you for doing this. Thank you. You're going to make me bust that into tears. I appreciate that. Girl, you probably <laughs> did your makeup already. and You have to go that's at four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't afford it. I can't afford to ruin the makeup at this point in time. <laughs> But <laughs> but I thank you for your continued support and your words and um, your encouragement. It means everything to me. Thank you again. Okay. All right, baby. All right. Love, Love you. you. Be safe. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Ellen the Great Podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And for more information and social media links, visit my website at ellenthegreat.com. Till next time.